Hey everybody and welcome. You are listening to Locks LaRue's Locker Room. Join me every Friday with a different special guest. We'll be breaking the locks off toxic masculinity one locker at a time. This week I'm joined by the extremely talented Matt Sutherland. Matt is a performance, installation and sculpture artist. Today, me and Matt talk about breaking away from gender stereotypes, creative expression and the importance of consent. Please note that the conversations between me and my guests are purely based on our own thoughts and experiences. Now with all that in mind, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Lux LaRue's Locker Room. Um, today I'm here with Matt. Very happy that Matt's here with me today because I've worked with him before on the Wallflower Express, um, interviewed him. Um, so Matt is a performer and an artist. Hi Matt, you alright? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I'm very good. I'm very excited to be here and have this talk with you. So I just wanted to start us off a bit mainly with you because um obviously people are going to hear a lot of me during these couple of episodes but so i wanted to ask you or just open up the conversation about um growing up like where did you grow up firstly and what was it like for you because for me i grew up in quite a small town um and it was very you know straight and you know boys had to be boys girls girls and stuff like that so i just wanted to how what was it like growing up for you and where did you grow up well, I grew up in Hertford, in Hertfordshire, um, which is quite close to London, but it's also a little bit further out, and it's a nice little small town. It's it's a lovely place to live. Um, not that I could ever afford to live there <laughs> anytime soon. It's it's so expensive now, um, but no, it's, it's quite similar, um, I guess, to you know uh, you know your background in terms of you know living in a small town, which was very straight very cis very you know very much along the guidelines of boys be boys you know like boys would go to the football clubs um girls would go to brownies it was very much regulated in that sense um with my parents though at no point were they ever uh they, they, they weren't particularly strict when it came to you know, leisurely activities and, oh, you're a boy, so you must play football. Like, I would play football um, occasionally, but only just with friends or with my sister um, or with my dad, but never as a team because I just didn't want to do that. That It just did not pique any interest for me. Um, and, yeah, well, I never had that from my parents, thankfully. But from like the rest of like, you know, um, school, etc., you are expected to be a boy, you know, in brackets. So you do boy things. Um, whereas, you know, when I first came to Birmingham, when I first started uni, there was just this whole new um, way of living that I had never experienced, you know, I, that was the first time I met a person who was trans. That was the first person, there was a, a person I met who was um, non-binary. I didn't even know what non-binary meant before I came to Birmingham. I had no yeah. idea, but I had never heard of it before. It wasn't on TV and it wasn't within the local area. So there was, there was so much for me to learn when I came here. And I'm so glad that I did come here because this is my home now. 
Um, and I, I love the fact that I'm, you know, it's, especially within Birmingham, it's so inclusive and open towards the LGBTQI plus community. And I'm very much happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. Like, my, I feel like when I moved to Birmingham, my eyes were sort of opened because um, finding, like, meeting new people and stuff like that and actually realising who I am isn't abnormal, which I was made to think um, during school and stuff. I don't know about you, but, yeah, similar to you, with my parents, they were generally accepting. It was more sort of external family, more old-fashioned in that way. Um, but with my family, it was mainly fine. But I faced my main problems, really, at school and stuff, like the stuff that you're conditioned. Like, for example, it started in PE, actually, my worst favourite subject. Boy, The boys, um, you always, especially at lunchtime, like the boys would always have to play football and the girls would um, be able to, like, make daisy chains and stuff like that. Very like gender you know stereotypical but I never wanted to play football at lunch I just wanted to you know be with the girls and like do, do like daisy chains but I think people couldn't understand that I don't know if it was like that with you from an early age at school and stuff I, I can relate to that quite a lot um uh, yeah as you said you know you were expected to play football um I didn't want to play football, especially not with boys that I wasn't friends with. Um, but I was in the uh, the clan of geeks, so I didn't have to do that. Um, yeah. Even though I also, myself, I didn't really identify as like a geek in that sense, because I wasn't really interested in, you know, like computer games and things that they related to. But I'd rather, you know, hang out with them than play football. <laughs> and... Um, Honestly, so many times now, I do wish that I explored um, my, my sexuality, I guess, from a much younger age. But you know how it is in, especially in secondary school, um, not wanting to receive any kind of uh, backlash and any kind of issues from people who are far more confident than yourself at that time in your life it's half the time I, I'm, I'm sure these people who can be quite quite cruel I don't think they quite realize just how impactful the words they say are but for them it's simply something to poke fun at for five seconds then they forget about it and they put their mind on something else but for a person who um, had that targeted at themselves like that stays with them for a very long time. Thankfully, I was never badly bullied. Yeah. Um, I would have the occasional comment thrown at me every now and then, like, I don't know, but very rarely. Um, and especially within secondary school, I was seen as the, um, the harmless, nice kid. Yes. Yeah. So if anything, for someone who was going to be mean to me, they would receive backlash from other people. They'd be like, why are you being mean to, to Matt? Like, he's harmless, he's, you know, and I'd rather be harmless and, you know, be seen as not any kind of threat or I'd rather that than have been uh, bullied and victimized for, you know, being a little different, being quite introverted. Um, I had a lot of people assuming that I was gay, even when I didn't know I was gay. If you're gay, not even if you're gay, but if you're just someone who gets bullied, you have to sort of build up this 
um, other self, like at school and stuff like that. For example, with me to get out of being bullied, I had to make fun of myself first. So it's kind of, that's quite unhealthy. I don't know what you think of this, but it was kind of like, that was my way of getting out of being bullied. I, I, I was ended up being quite funny, but I had to, sometimes it's the expense of my own self-esteem. So, cause like we're both performers will probably understand this. That's sort of come to my advantage now with like my comedy acts in burlesque. Like I sort of, I'm the only one who can make fun of me, but sometimes it's kind of like, there's a fine line between self-esteem. Well, I, I think that is extremely commendable to, find a way to save yourself from feeling terrible and allowing yourself to be hurt by words. You do whatever you can to get by. And I commend you for that. I would not have had the confidence to make jokes about myself to prevent others from doing it. I, ju- I was just the nice guy and if someone was being rude to me then it'll make them look bad so that was my way out yeah because because I was seen as the nice guy I was seen as too nice to the point that I wasn't a threat to anyone in any way shape or form which which meant that I wasn't respected either. Mm. Um, so it, it, it it's a strange. It, it, yeah, it was it was it was very peculiar, really. Um, during my time in secondary school, I didn't really have like a personality that really came out um, for everyone to see, and I I envy those who did you know um but then again that was me just not coming out of my shell in terms of like your identity like is there like a lesson that you've learned you think well okay um i've had like a few lessons especially since coming out and exploring my sexuality um what i am okay with doing and what i'm not okay with doing um uh, let's okay. Let, let's say um, quite recently, in fact, I was socialising and obviously, you know, um, socially distant socialising, of course. And uh, I was having a chat with quite a few different people um, in like quite a large group, um, and you know, a few drinks have been going around, so people were a little bit tipsy. And there was one person there who was a couple, like in an open relationship, and they took a shine to me and um, asked me to, you know, come over. So I was like, to, you know, their side of the table. I was like, okay, sure. And um, was being very cryptic in terms of asking certain questions. And then I was like, what are you asking me? And he was like, oh, are you, are you open? are you in an open relationship? I was like, I'm not in an open relationship. I'm in a committed relationship. And as I said, as I was saying, no, I'm, I'm not in an open relationship. He puts his hand down my jeans. And so I take his hand out and say, don't do that. And then he did it again. And I was like, I said, no. And then I just, I just walked off and I was like, oh, okay. It's not, it's not even something which, 
was scarring. It wasn't anything like traumatic or it didn't ruin my night. But it was just one of those things that just did not have to happen. And just very much disrespectful in the fact that I, I literally just said that I am not interested. Yet they tried their luck anyway. Without my consent. And for me, I found it very frustrating that I wasn't listened to in that situation. Even though, you know, consent is very much a topical subject right now. Very much within the media. Yet, my regards in that sense were, were not taken seriously. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. There was this this border guy in the village because I was wearing shorts. He was like, "Oh, um, why are you wearing this and stuff?" He was a bit curious and stuff. Um, but I was like, "Can you not touch me, please? Like, just in a neutral way, but quite firm." Um, and then he was, and then he was like, "Speak like that to me again, and then I'm gonna smash your head against the wall." Um, ultimately, he was kicked out. But it's kind of that, you know, like you said, it's not being respected, isn't it? When, you know, you stated, you should be able to state it, that you don't appreciate that. You do art now. Could you tell us a bit about that? Um, but, well, yeah, when I came to uh, the Birmingham School of Art, I looked a lot more into not just photography and, you know, being behind the camera, but actually being in the foreground as well. Um, and to do that, I became more of like a performing artist and went down filming as well as photography. And I explored this side that I never thought I would ever be, which was a performer. And I was just so exciting and so, um, so exciting and nerve wracking. Um, let's say for my final piece, um, I was naked in front of around 90 people um, doing a performance with a squid, black paint and oil. And never in a million years would I have ever thought that I would do something like that and have the confidence to pull it off and get a good grade for it. I would never have expected that. Um, and, you know, that was showing my vulnerability. That was showing um, almost um, emasculinity, I guess. You know, um, being proud of yourself and being confident in the skin you're in. But through vulnerability itself. Because um, during that time, I was struggling with, you know, this eating disorder um, and this was like a form of therapy for me. Um, just being okay with, you know, who I am and my body type, um, and I, f I found it extremely therapeutic to just let people just have no choice really, but to watch me perform showing all my vulnerabilities and all my um, insecurities and them not being able to leave and them not having to just, you know, stick it through 
and become comfortable with my body uh, with me. It was kind of like a process and kind of like a journey that we both took together. And it was extremely liberating. It really was. So that wow, that was an epic um, answer to what I needed. Uh, that I think that's so good that that you found something in the way to express your yourself, like your emotions, your vulnerability. I know it's not all about that, but it's good that it it manages to do that in your art as well. And from what I've seen, um, I'm always in awe of what you do. Um, but with me as well, with in terms of like vulnerability, expressing my emotions. If, if with my burlesque um well my boylesque like i like to call it um i've i've done a lot of comedy like i said at the start of the episode um so obviously that's helped me to sort of laugh at myself in a positive way um having been laughed at in the past um but also sometimes taking cl- my clothes off um you know it can be seen as a negative thing like in pe sometimes i didn't like getting changed because people would, boys would comment like saying oh you're fat or you've got boobs and stuff you know comment on my body image um so it's sort of like taking the power back um i don't know if you've you've found that with with your art um and even if you haven't experienced any negative stuff i imagine like you were saying um you struggled with school with like your personality coming through because other people were like shoving their opinions but i i'm the same but i feel like my creativity and my burlesque and stuff has given me this platform to sort of find out more about myself and express my emotions healthfully it's, it's just finding an outlet finding something that you enjoy something that you're passionate about something that makes you happy and can make other people happy too and just making something good out of a awkward or bad situation you know like a unhealthy past and turning it into something good yeah I definitely you definitely achieved that with, with your art as well which is which is awesome to hear um so I think that's for us full circle Matt um uh, there is just one thing that I'd like to sort of leave with people um I just wanted to say if you've got any resources or tools at your belt do you think that you've used well first thing yeah, in terms of equipment um if you are in need of equipment, I'll recommend going on um, apps like uh, like Spock, let's say, like boot sale apps and seeing what is available out there, which is, you know, very affordable or free. And there are plenty of people out there, you know, who want to, um, you know, give away, you know, like artistic equipment, um, tools, all those kinds of things. So if you're, you know, running low on funds, which I certainly am, <laughs> um, you know, um, sites like Spock are fantastic for things like this. Um, but secondly, something that I would recommend is to just take one day, let's say, I don't know, every couple of weeks, just take one day to yourself for some life admin. You just sit down, take out your laptop or your computer, um, or even just a notebook and a pen and just write down everything that's on your mind, write down um, things that you need to do, things that you've been putting off because it's an, I don't know, because you're nervous or you just want to avoid it, it's stressful, Um, I don't know, money related, you know, 
anything like that, just sit down and write it down. Write down your, how you're feeling, write down what needs to be done, write down what you would like to do, where you would like to be in a few years time. Anything that will help you clear your mind. Because as creative people, sometimes you know the money doesn't always come flooding through sometimes there are you know issues within your personal life that can get in the way of your creativity i find a very strong and solid method to getting through is to write it all down once it's on paper it's so much smaller than what it is in your head things get blown out of proportion when things are in your mind and it's like trying to swim through a swamp, you know, you don't know where you're footing. You don't know your footing. You don't know how deep it is. One misstep and you feels like you, you could drown. But if you write it down on paper, it is so much easier to tackle just one at a time and then cross through. Like I, I had that today. I went to a coffee shop and um, sent in job applications. Um, I, you know, had a look at, you know, the possible questions that we will be having today for this interview. Um, I had a chat with my family today. I've had a chat with my partner. I've had a chat with... Um, numerous people which you know it, 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 it makes you feel so much more connected to the world i that's what i'll say that's what it's something that i'll definitely recommend just have one day to yourself sorting things out that you may have been putting off for a while you feel so much better once you do that and then you can move on to you know the next week or so with a clear mindset I would like to thank today's guest, Matt, for coming on to this podcast. If you want to catch more of Matt, then check them out on Instagram at matt underscore Sutherland dot art. Thank you for listening to Loxlaroo's Locker Room. We'll see you next Friday. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at Loxlaroo. Bye.